Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Muse podcast. This week, Briggs and I welcome into the barn John McCormick and his band Paintbox. Uh, Paintbox is a pretty interesting project. Uh, John can tell you about it during the episode. But uh, we recorded this a couple weeks back. So since the recording and the time you're going to hear this, John has announced that just like he talked about on the episode, Paintbox is going to be a stage play and a musical with uh, full production in uh, early 2019. So we're pretty excited about that. John and the band performed two songs from the upcoming album, which is going to be released on 12-29. If you're in the local area, there's a big show over at Fury's Public House in Dover, New Hampshire. It's a Saturday night, 12-29. And uh, hope you'll come on out and have a listen to John live. Full disclosure, I'm going to be playing that show with John's band. Uh, I'm going to be sitting in for Chris, who you hear on this uh, recording here, who uh, can't make it that night. So I'm going to play about some cleanup on that night. As always, the podcast is brought to you by Dapper Ties, quality uh, knit ties for a lot of different occasions. They're stylish and good looking ties. Everybody needs a tie from time to time. And you got the holidays coming up, you can get somebody a tie. If you put in the code MUSE at checkout, you'll get free shipping, which saves you five bucks to the continental United States. So remember to put in the code MUSE, and they'll kick a couple of bucks our way as well, so you can help support the podcast. These are the last few episodes of the 2018 season. It's been an amazing season, and we have a lot of things planned for 2019 coming up, including our merchandise stores going up, uh, the entire network, Red Wing Superior podcast network store is going up and all the different podcasts on red wing superior will be up in the store we'll have a bunch of different things that you can pick up if you want to support your local podcast thanks always to everyone for the support if you want to send us a note ask a question or recommend to have someone on the podcast head over to the musepodcast.com and uh, click on the contact us button and it'll come right to us all right, ladies and gentlemen, John McCormick in Paint Box. Life candy will set you 
There's a lot of people in this room right now, and everybody's got to get around to where they're getting out, so everybody hang on for a sec. And hang on. There it is. 
John, wow. Hey. Damn it, that sounds good. Oh, man, thank you. I can't stop smiling because... Yeah, you do look like you're smiling. I am. How did that sound to you? It sounded good to me. I mean, it's great to hear this stuff because we haven't really played it out as a, as a band. So, uh, song, what was that called? That's called Lime Candy. What do you mean you haven't played it out as a band? I mean, these, these songs have kind of come about as semi-studio creations. So up to this point, I mean, we haven't played a gig. We haven't. I mean, this is really the first live performance of these tunes. Really? This is it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, let's break that down while while we're doing that. Let's. Uh, we should probably uh, quickly. Could you introduce who is playing yes. on that? Who do we hear playing? John, obviously, you're you're playing the guitar. Yes. That was this is your uh, your band, Paintbox. Yes. You're singing, Paintbox, and, doing vocals, and, uh, guitar. Yep. Chris Sink on the keys. On the excuse me, tasty keys. Super tasty, delicious. Tasty. Yeah. Two separate keys. keyboard solos. This is my kind of band. Right. Thank right? you. <laughs> Giving some love. Uh, Rick Habib on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> Habib, no. if you're nasty. Yeah. I have to say it. It's a thing now. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's now a pod. Well, you both are podcast alums. That's right. Alums. That's right. Feel so comfy in this chair now. Mm. And then on the bass tonight, we have Mr. Joe Harding. Ah, Joe. Good yes. to see you. Yes. Uh, Amen. Just, just since we're going to go off on the song mm. tip before mm -hmm. we lose track, I've seen basses like the one that Joe is holding in photographs and in my dreams, but not in, not in actually a reality like that. <laughs> pretty crazy yeah. bass. Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, basically, I don't even know how to truly describe it, but I'll Six say- Six-string, fan frets. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry, Briggs. Go, keep going. What do you, yeah, what do you say, exactly fan right. frets? Yeah, fan Fanned frets. frets. Uh, could you explain that to someone who's actually not looking at one? Yeah, fan it's frets. It's like if a uh, Ferrari had sex with a, you know, a redwood tree. That's what it looks like. <laughs> Pretty much, but I guess basically what? Each string gets its own string length, so the fatter string is lo a longer scale length as a result, so the frets are yeah. angled across the neck of the the fingerboard rather than straight across exactly right it's it's almost like if you look at a piano the lower notes are longer strings right so it's like compensating for that so every, every single string has its own like true tension if you will makes it sound good yeah actually i think it's joe that makes it sound good oh Aww, thanks true so sweet it's true the fan frets make it look pretty fucking sweet though. they do they do <laughs> <laughs> well you're looking at it and you're kind of wondering ah uh, okay no that's 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 not tipped or turned from where I am. It, it's got a perspective fucker. Yeah, it's warping space yeah. and time, right. yeah. but with bass. <laughs> and visuals. It's weird. If you have enough beers, they actually straighten out. It's, oh, really? Yeah, they, they look completely normal. <laughs> anyway. uh, okay, so everybody back up. I actually know this story. Uh, one of the reasons why I, I was immediately like, uh, McCormick, you need to get on the podcast. You told me the story about how this uh, this whole concept came together. So let's yeah. back it up. So before okay. we even talk about the song, Paintbox, go. So this project, I mean, I've played in a lot of projects. I've, I've always done original music, you know, since I started playing. But this one just kind of came from out of nowhere. You know, usually you, you get together with some friends, you start jamming, you have a band, and things sort of evolve from there. But this, I was literally painting a room in my house. And my wife and I went to the hardware store and I'm looking at paints, you know, those little paint chips, the little cardboard yep. rectangles. And I came across one called French chocolate. And I was like, man, I don't like that color, but that, <laughs> na <laughs> that name, you know, like, so the name kind of stuck with me. And then I went home and really quickly, I wrote this tune, French chocolate. And we went back to look for more colors, you know, trying to get, get it right. And I came across gypsy teal. I was like, damn, like I can hear 
gypsy teal in right. my head. And then now I'm like, okay, I'm on to something. So I started grabbing all these paint swatches, you know, and then I went, ran home and long story short, I ended up writing like the beginnings of 16 tunes, really not based on the colors so much as the names of the colors. And it was, it just was like coming out, you know, it was happening. So I just tried to, did the best I could to get out of the way and let all the stuff come out as quickly as I could. So it took like two weeks to get the initial ideas and then, you know, a couple of years to, <laughs> to have them simmer and come to fruition. But, really? So it took yeah. a little while to, to, to sort of get the whole thing together. Yeah. Like some of them, and part of that was, there's a couple different things. I mean, the part of it was, I had a whole, a batch of like eight that I started recording pretty quickly, uh, with my good friend, Chris Chase yep. at his studio. Um, his studio is called the noise floor. The is noise that floor. Yeah. He's, he's now in Dover. When we started, he was in Rollinsford. So, um, Took kind of the eight that were the most, uh, that seemed to be the furthest along. Um, and then he actually kind of dismantled that studio and moved it, which was a process that took a while. And so we hung in there with him while he was doing that. Took that opportunity to kind of finish up the second batch of eight tunes. So hence the timeline kind of stretched out. But it was actually good because the stuff, you know, the, the second batch, which wasn't really ready, had a chance to kind of marinate. Right. So paint chips, names. But you're saying this yeah. isn't some, what's... Um Briggs, you know what the, uh, what's the, uh, is it synesthesia? Is that right? When you connect? When you see a sound, for instance, yeah. Like as a color sure. or whatever? Yeah, yeah, no, it's not that. It was really like uh, just a combination of words, like powder fresh is one of them. Uh, <laughs> well, no, they're it, all great the, names. Yeah. That's why I'm laughing because it's like, you're right. Once you say that, like, I'm like, what kinda, shitty yeah. color is going to be right. named that? But it is right. a really cool name, right? Yeah, an enchanted navy. <laughs> That's another one. Like I went the, home. Did, I saw oh, do Navy. you do you do you like do you like switch word use? You're like, is Navy now a a, a noun in that situation? Uh, no, it's. I mean, I try to keep them intact. I have played with, uh, taken a little bit of license with some of them. Like I combined a few of them. Sweet Annie Pepperberry is one that oh. is actually a combination of two. It's not an actual person, is what you're saying? Yeah, no, it's not an actual person. But that kind of you know we'll we'll segue into that in a second. So these start these songs started coming along, and I'm kind of you know, getting them down and very analog. I'm very analog about recording. I, what does that mean? Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't have a digital workstation or DAW. Oh, I thought you were being more metaphorical. No, no, I no. I, like, I, I actually literally, like you a, like to use yeah, the analog, analog stuff. equipment and right. I don't, Wait, you know, like tape, not tape. No, no, but, but I'm not in, not on a computer. I'm not in the box. I just have like a little hard drive thingy, you know, one of those little, digital four track things. Got so it. it's digital, but it's not really. I understand what you mean. Go ahead. It's archaic. So I started getting those things, getting, getting the songs down on that. And then I realized I needed, I needed to bring someone in to be like the metronome and the sounding board. And so that's when I asked Rick to come in on the project, which he did. And, uh, is that, is this back on the first eight? So this yeah, is, this is back, back on the first eight. So a while ago, around a little bit, but no, yeah, so good. this is the, the origin of it. So the songs were coming like fast and furious and, and they were starting to finish them out. And then I realized I needed somebody to, you know, a keep a beat and kind of just bring in, you know, you get very insulated when you're just doing it entirely by yourself. Right. So Rick came in and he's been, and Rick's like the perfect guy. Cause he just will play whatever is right for the song and is just a musicologist encyclopedia of music. And so he's, you know, any, anything that I bounce off of me just immediately gets 
the reference. Is this know? that early? Uh, is this still in the analog phase, or are you yeah. talking about? Okay, so yeah. this is before you even got into the studio at mm-hmm. all, right? Mm-hmm. Are you really making demos? Are you doing like multi tracks, or are you yeah. just kind of doing the, okay? Yeah, literally old school. Like I have a four track. It's digital, but it's it's the equivalent of the old yeah. school four track cassette. Are you bouncing? When, bouncing when, when necessary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For those for those who uh, were not born in, in the 1900s, uh, this is <laughs> this is when you only have four tracks and you fill up. Well, three of them. It depends right. on you want to stay stereo or not. You fill up three and you need more tracks. You just take all three and you're like, let's put all three of them, mix them, and put them on track four. Then you have three free ones to go right, right. or whatever. There's many ways to do this. Yeah, and I'm not like you know an old school recording purist and I'm not dumb. I just know that that's not – I don't have the time to just really master totally – digital recording you know and by the time i do the song ideas are gone i love that i love that you just said that right there i think regardless of what should be the best mm -hmm. just what you are doing and it's done Mm. is the best like you're done well i realized at a certain point i try i tried you know and i can i can do some computer recording but i i at a certain point realized like by the time i get up to speed and work the bugs out and everything like it just it puts the kibosh on whatever yeah, you're so done. i just want to it's a right. sketch pad i just want to get in there I, I the analogy like i've done home improvement stuff but i know when to call a contractor right. like i'm gonna if, well, you know once i've got something i'm gonna take it into a real studio and somebody who has skills is gonna then help me record it for real i know you uh, i know i keep putting bookmarks in this arc that you're giving us mm. here but but so when you're talking about recording in four track do you start with something percussive do you start with a click do you start with your guitar how do you do this uh, typically typically so a lot of them are pretty groove based and i'm i'm a i'm a i can carry a beat i get i, per, I get percussive ideas as rick will attest to so i can hear sometimes a particular drum beat which then inspires a guitar line or vice versa. Is this after lyrics and stuff or those come later? No, lyrics, the lyrics almost always come last. Oh, cool. Gotcha. Because the name, sometimes the chorus will come first because obviously the, the, you know, the name like Enchanted Navy, that's probably going to be the chorus, you know? Right. Uh, so the chorus might be there and that might inspire like a rhythm. So then it just kind of evolves from whatever little kernel happens to pop out of, from that name, you know, that's the way it went. So percussive stuff. Mm-hmm. Playing drums badly, coming up with a groove. Actual drums? Yeah. Real what? Drums. This is great. Yeah, I know. This is right? awesome. This yeah. Is like, this is like fourth grade again. So playing real no, drums. It's not like fourth grade. It's like awesome. <laughs> well, you know, when we, we set up. Not two, that many fourth graders hit. You know what I mean? Like right? when you set up you a, a mic in your room and you just have a drum kit and you're bashing it out, just literally just getting these ideas down because they were coming so fast, you know, mm-hmm. like this, this stuff was coming at me and I was just trying to get it down on, on something, some form. Right, but so I guess, so, so you're going... Definitely rhythm first. You mean playing some drums, playing mm-hmm. bass over that, trying mm-hmm. to, you know, is that how you do this? Yeah. Yeah. And then, or, or there could be a guitar, a couple guitar chords could mm-hmm. pop in there and uh, then try to find a chorus, try to find a, you know, a, a middle section that makes sense. But I'd say the whole thing was super freeing because I didn't, because of the way it came about, I didn't care if the songs, you know, went together. I didn't care if they right. sounded like stuff I'd done in the past. I didn't care, you know. I was just following my nose, yeah. literally like on whatever the name inspired me to do. So they're very eclectic. I mean, they're, they're Love that. they range from yacht rock to, you know, nineties <laughs> <90s laughs> pop to, you know, groove funk, like the one you just heard, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's really all over the map because it's just whatever I mean, there's hip hop, there's stuff on there where I'm rapping. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Well, I mean, the, origi- the original conceit of I'm going to take a bunch of color names and make into, make something into that. I mean, it, it gives you that freedom in the first place. I love right. that idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it love- was really inspiring because I just was like, this is okay. I got, I, this is a thing. I'm going to do this. 
And so then, you know, let's follow the timeline a little further along. So Rick comes along. He helps me sort of develop the whole thing. And then we got to a point where like, well, okay, we need like a third guy. So we brought in Nick Feneff, who you both know. Um, and great. Yeah, well, uh, actually, Nick was on uh, the previous yep. uh, episode Last here with episode. Uh, Novel Novella. Yep. He was the half of that uh, duo there. Go ahead. No, Nick for years you know phenomenal multi-instrumentalist so he came in and kind of helped at that point it was like all right we got to push this you know a little bit beyond so he helped with some of the arrangements and and playing a lot of bass which really fleshed things out on that first batch and then we had some guest stars like my good friend jamie perkins who i played with for years came in and played on a couple tracks and, and this is at uh the noise floor well it wasn't yep. this is uh the the rollinsford yeah when he was in rollinsford right so then kind of hit pause on the whole thing while he was building the new studio. And, and so my original thought here was like, I'll put out two EPs. I'll do like EP one and then EP two. The idea being like, get something out there and then follow it up. Cause you know, like everybody, we're all sort of figuring out like, okay, what, what do we do now with music? You know, how do you release it? What, what, what do we do with this? Once we have it, you know, what's, what's the trick? What's the magic bullet? I don't know. So I went through all those machinations like everyone does. Like, do I, do I do two EPs? Do I release a video? Do I, I don't know. What do you do with music? So eight tracks, eight tracks. Right. And, uh, then I just kind of came back around to like, you know what? Screw all that. I'm just, the original idea was I'm just going to do what I want to do. So instead of doing like two part A and part B smashed them together and it's all going to be one big concept album. So more or less. How many total songs? 16 songs. Woo. So yeah. all 16 original swatches made it to the the final thing. Oh, there's like 300 of them in my basement. There's okay. a big pile of them. So that swatches was just, or songs? Uh, swatches. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Not, I don't have that many songs. <laughs> so then along the way Chris brought Chris Sink in on keys who I've played with for a long time and uh he was great, man. He just oh, and you're like the the quickest. I mean, he just came over and was like, "Yep, how about this?" And I was like, oh, "Great. Yep, that's it." Right there. Just playing the song <laughs> so once. He's like got this killer part. Um, and then Nick kind of got busy with other projects. So Joe Harding came into the picture. He played on one in the first batch and then played on a bunch in the second batch. And that uh, was great. Just brings a totally different flavor to it. So there's some guest stars. Drew Wyman is on one from Drew's and Thanks to Gravity. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of rambling and I don't know if we're following. You're not at arc, all. This is fantastic. You're talking about how this comes to, together. Yeah. That's what the whole point is. So then like, that isn't enough sort of information about the project. Then I started to uh, see that this whole thing could sort of be sewn together into a story, which is weird because the whole okay. thing is so eclectic and all over the map to begin with. But I think that part of that came from uh, my good friend Billy Butler did a show called The Gay Bride of Frankenstein. Were you playing on that? Yeah, I was in Gay Bride of Frankenstein. Right. From the beginning, Tim McCoy and I were in it from 2007. So, so we so we can keep it uh, clear. So, uh, Gabriel and Frankenstein is uh, like a, a musical. Yeah, it was like a musical a, theater approach, piece, but, basically. But the musicians, you were actually part of the yeah, was, show as well. It was like a, a rock opera, sort of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right, and this piece. live theater. Yep. Everybody goes for it. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and it blew up. We did it locally, and it was great. And then we actually took it off Broadway for a little bit. So that, that show was great. And I had never done any kind of sort of musical theater type of thing at that point, which will be uh, the relevance of this will reveal itself in a second. Right. But um, then he did a show called Bitter Pill, which was sort of like a, a theatrical representation of his tunes. It was like all Billy's tunes, but with just a visual element. So not musical theater in the sense that there was no dialogue or anything, but um, just visualizations, I guess you right. could say of the song. 
So I thought, okay, there's this concept here, this thread that I can see between these tunes, you know, and I kind of tweaked them a little bit and there's, there's a story, there's characters. And oddly enough, out of this eclectic heap of songs that originally came from the names of paint, mm-hmm. I've sort of stitched together what I think is kind of a cohesive story and I'm going to maybe try to do it as like almost a stage show. Oh, shit. Awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, it's daunting, but, uh, I can see it. Like, I can see it. Kind of like the original thing. I can see is it. Is there, like, head. a protagonist, antagonist, yeah, that kind of thing? Yeah, sweet Annie Pepperberry is the, oh, okay. is the main character. She is the main ah, character. Ah, yeah. you set that up. I set it all up. Um, and that was, you know, and, and my wife has been instrumental in this, Nikki. She's she's sort of helped me co-produce it, and she's in some ways part of the inspiration for it. But she's, and, you know, she's been a great producer slash critic all along because she's she's close enough to, knew it, to it to know kind of what it should sound like and what I'm capable of. And removed enough to know the difference you know what i mean she's not so close to it like i am so she's she's brutally honest at times with me like you know that could be way better she just wants it to be the best thing i've ever done right and that's cool so it's been cool to bounce it off her and and have rick in the mix and everybody kind of like rowing in the same direction towards this thing and i think i'm going to try to pitch it in portsmouth at the players ring as a stage show perfect so where, uh, so where is it now? Like, are you done recording? You're still recording. Really close to the recording. It's been a long time coming. But now, so Chris has now landed at his new space in Dover. Chris Chase, right. Chris Chase, yeah. which is a great space, the noise floor. So we started doing the second batch of eight tracks there. And um, they are, I'm going to say we're like 75% done. Okay. How did that process go? Same thing? Drums first? Really, it's been, so it's been drums, we, we usually track, and Rick, you can feel free to jump in here, is uh, drums and guitar usually first, and bass if we can, like if, you know, but if we can get just the drum tracks down, then we can start building from there. Do you, do you click it out? Do you just go live, go free? What do you do? No, we clicked everything out. Yeah, we clicked everything out. Right. Yeah. So usually, it, when we go in the studio, the goal is to get, a really good take of Rick playing the drums or on the two tracks that Jamie played on, get Jamie. Right. Um, and I'll just play a scratch guitar if necessary. You know, very little of what I did playing along with him made it. But as long as we get that drum track, then we can kind of create it. Are you trying to stick to the demo? More or less. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I'm open to tweaking stuff along the way and we've had sort of last minute changes, right. And some suggestions along the way, but more or less it's, it's pretty much like, came out initially so so i guess i guess what i'm getting at is you get the majority of the songwriting part of this really is in the demo writing of it yeah and you're you're following your nose through that you end up with a a bunch of of material at that point you're going to say let's take this into the studio so i mean without just taking for granted obviously one of the reasons why you want to go into a a a major studio you want to put in that serious time is because you'd like to get each sound that's on the record yeah. to sound good. Right. What are some of the other things that you're trying to accomplish when you go and take it from that demo to the actual studio? Into the studio? Well, like you said, obviously getting the best possible sounds, but like this is the first project and I've done a lot of projects in my life, uh, but this is the first one that I could sort of actually hear the stuff fully formed in some way, in most ways, like not lyrically, but musically. So it a lot of it is just sort of digging back to that original demo idea and thinking was was this how it was supposed to sound when it kind of popped into my head initially 
Right, so you're seeing that original vision, right. and you're using that as a guide in the mm-hmm. studio rather than just going, "Hey, Rick, now we're in the studio. Just you know, go bananas. Let's see what happens." Yeah. Do you do you find you have you know uh, whatever discovery moments in the studio as well, or are you really trying to catch the demo again? What do you think? There's definitely some discovery moments. There's yeah, I think the discovery moments are maybe more arrangement. Uh, the the arrangements yeah. of them than like the forms. I would say the forms of the tunes are fully baked at that point. Um, it's not like we're adding, you know, a chorus or let's write a bridge. Like that stuff's all there. But I think like Shallow Valley High is a good example. One song that's in the second batch where there's, there's a paint called Shallow Valley High. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, all right. So a little artistic license. <laughs> Shallow Valley is a paint. Okay. I, yeah. I added the high because yeah, know, no, I, yeah. no, that's, perfect. That's the name yeah. I'm right. going with it. Right. Right. But you know the 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 demo is uh you know was actually acoustic guitar um you know we we experimented with some drum feels and some bass feels when we yeah. were doing it with Nick those actually didn't really end up in there True um you know John recorded a, a good amount of the vocals for the demo but there's a lot of stuff on there that is not at all on that demo right True yeah yeah the bones of it are probably the same as the demo, but that good example, like more than any sort of evolved in the studio into something that it, that it more than what it had been. So uh, a number of people who write will write from the perspective of let's find the focal point, put that together and then build around this. It sounds like you're actually going in a different direction and Am I reading it wrong? That the focal point actually comes up at the end, like well, the right. lead vocal or the lead guitar or whatever. You're, it is. you're right, actually, on two levels. Like uh, a lot of times, the songs um, they they come out, and I actually don't write the lyrics until later, and then I don't even realize what they're about until later when I get a little perspective. That's awesome. Kind of back up a little and go, <laughs> you know, like Lime Candy, the one we just played. Like I, I'm just kind of making up words, you know. But now I step back and I'm like, oh, okay, this is about this is about like a coming of age, discovering substances and you know Juiciness. the opposite sex and things like <laughs> you know, which fits into the story, you know. So then right. you take it back another layer, right? So it's not only is there that moment of discovery about each individual song, but then when I backed up and looked at them as a as a group of songs, I was like, oh wait, they're all under this umbrella. There's a story. Wow. So it fits into the story of Sweet Annie Pepperberry do you right. think that, at a certain point. Do you think you manifested that? Do you think you just do you think you just looked at at the at the at all the at all the songs lying on the floor and go, well, I could connect this and this and this, or do you think you manifested it when you were writing this shit in the first place? Good question. I mean, I well, I'm just asking. What's that no. first thought? What do you think? I. I would say no because I don't think I'm smart enough to do that from the, uh, from the beginning. <laughs> I don't know. I what don't. about like subconsciously? I think subconsciously is maybe, what maybe. Duncan's hinting. Subconsciously, at. maybe. I will say that with the second batch of tunes, at that point, I had sort of re- discovered that there was a thread and that I kind of wanted to shape this into something bigger. So I did take a little artistic license with some of the latter tunes. I was like, okay, I need to fill the blanks here. You know, well, you're taking artistic license from yourself, yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah, fair you know, enough. Right? Don't, like I don't made get the too rules. pissed at yourself, right? <laughs> I'm breaking I, the rule that I made. Am I reading it? What you're saying is that uh, that that toward the end of the process, you you provided some connective tissue between these things. That's or whatever, the perfect right? perfect phrase, yeah. connective tissue. Like right. there was a couple tunes. I mean, they were tunes that originated right from from the original concept, and I didn't really know what to do with them. Then I had this bigger 
arc of a story and I was like, I need something here. Oh yeah, that one, that one that we didn't really finish could, could go there and it could fill in that blank and it could be the connective tissue. And it's, they've, you know, shockingly, they've sort of fallen, the puzzle pieces have fallen into place almost perfectly. So there's like a, like a perfect, yeah, I don't believe in that shit. I think that you made that happen. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I guess. Shock, sure, I'll take shocking to it. whom? You, you know? <laughs> to me, because yeah, because yeah. I didn't, it wasn't the original intent. Maybe it was no, subconsciously. Yeah. Sure. You know? So it's like when you, I don't know, I guess the, the analogy I can draw is like you, if you did 10 little paintings and then you stepped back and were like, holy shit, that's a horse. Like all those, I put those paintings together and it looks like a horse. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it looks like something that you never intended. Sure. <laughs> But it's not like the opposite end of that spectrum where, where uh, did you ever see uh, the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton and the Sgt. Pepper? So funny uh, you say that. You know what I mean? How they forced all the characters into the yep. Beatles stuff. And- yep. Funny you say that because I've, I've had that same thought. Like there were moments where I'm like, shit, am I doing that? I loved. It I doesn't kinda, seem like it, no. it is like that, though, because that's a particular kind of horrifying thing <laughs> I mean for, for anyone who hasn't yeah. seen that well, whoa that's yeah. kind of the curse in some ways of many of the concept albums right, right. like yeah. the, the connective tissue is often the weakest part of the album and we would talk about this a yeah. little bit and the idea that like put it in there but like it's got to be a killer tune that can stand on its own if it right. doesn't do that you got to kind of question, you know, what what is it doing? It, you, yeah. you know, if if it's only connective tissue, it kind of loses its uh, it loses its its thing. You know, yeah, sure. I mean, if you're trying to force the story through a crappy song, it's going to detract from the overall project in it, the end. Exactly. Sure. And there were a couple, I think, that we sort of abandoned because, yeah, it was like, oh, this is just going to be some kind of interlude that might get us where we need to go in the story, but it's not musically making sense on its own. So, you know what I mean. Yeah, so, well, I mean, the basic concept of, if you're writing a piece of music, you write a piece of music, right? You write some lyrics, they may be personal or not. If they're a little bit detached from typical, uh, maybe speaking grammar or whatever, it leaves that room for whoever's listening to fill their their own life into the the lyrics, to use those lyrics, to use uh, their own experience to color it in, right? Then when you put them together in an album and you, you do have some sort of a connection between, for many, many cases of an uh, album, it, it becomes a slice of life or it becomes that thing that I listen to as a listener during that time of my life, ex, you know, that kind of thing. So it kind of builds its a larger memory. But I think once you say, I'm going to take you on a story, you're taking control of a lot of that imagination i mean there's still obviously imagination you're listening to you know to lyrics that exist you know as this audio format you're not making a movie particularly but and i understand i think i understand what you're saying i mean now you have that responsibility you can't drop the ball like halfway through be like okay well let's let's just deus ex machina over into this song and then we're back here so let's do it again right i mean so i do feel like you're asking you know you're asking yourself to take a, a larger piece of responsibility in that point totally and i mean rick and i and and my wife and i had conversations about like okay is is there enough there to make it that because that i think the bigger story piece right is is a house of cards like it it either it either works or it doesn't you know what i mean like if and if they were like okay these five songs kind of go together but the others have nothing to do with it then it really wouldn't work but there seemed to be a way and it seemed to fall into place in such a way that like oh no this this actually can work this can this can be a thing you know and and make no mistake this isn't like a i'm not talking about a musical theater piece with dialogue right, I mean, right, it's, right. it's the songs tell the story uh 
through the lyrics, and but I, I can imagine some sort of visual element or oh, performed yeah. element to it, you know? Yeah. So have you do the 16 songs the way you're presenting them now? When you're done recording, are you going to present the the work in that song story form? I mean, are you... Does this one have to go third? Does this one go fifth? Is it that is it that tight or are there we is a an order? More? There's definitely okay. a definitive order, but as far as how it gets presented is still a little bit to be determined. I mean, this is right, right now what we're doing right now is a bit of a reveal. Like I think I feel like you know, Chris and Joe probably are in, at some points right here going like, what is he talking about? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Chris roll his eyes like four times. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what am I doing? What is this crap? Yeah, because because it's not like I've been playing the cards intentionally close to the chest but like I'm, i've been trying to push the you know the wheelbarrow up the hill to the point where it's ready you know so so these guys you know rick has been there from day one joe kind of came in on the second batch of tunes chris has been in on most of them although chris is more on the first right. batch of tunes than the right. second one so most of the people involved have sort of glimpsed bits and pieces of it and understand at least what i'm trying to do but probably haven't seen the whole thing yet yeah and i mean i think just like any uh you're in sort of a director position here just like mm-hmm. it, it is your prerogative to to provide the the material that that each you know actor needs in that situation they don't necessarily have to you know be be co-directing with you so I, I like that idea i like that approach you're saying this is what i'm looking for here let's go for this here's some information let's make it happen yeah you know? and, and part of it is that for sure and some of it is a little bit of like you know uh you don't want someone to see this painting that you're working on until it at least looks like something. Right. I just love the <laughs> ambition know? of this whole thing. I, I, it's just the whole time, you Thanks, know? Man. Yeah. I mean, I asked, uh, uh, so, so John and I played a gig together and I, and I had said, Oh, you got to do this on the podcast. And you're like, Oh yeah. But you didn't tell, uh, well, logically you didn't mention all this stuff. And, uh, the lead up to the, to the podcast is, you know, can I try it this way? Can we do it this way? And I'll be honest, I'm kind of wondering, hmm, it's interesting. It's like you're really putting a lot of thought into like how this appears on the podcast. Typically, a songwriter will be like, yeah, I'll grab my guitar or my piano or whatever. And we'll just hang out and sing some songs. And I'll tell you about where they came from. This obviously explains all of that. And, and I, I'm just excited about the whole ambition of the whole thing cool. Thanks, man. You, what where are you now you said you're about 75 percent done are you are you committed to the lyrics are you is that something that you got to putz with yeah yeah the lyrics are the lyrics are there i mean the forms are there i mean when i say 75 percent done i mean we're the basic tracks you know drums bass most keys you know most auxiliary instruments are done there's there's guitar overdubbing there's vocal overdubbing there's harmonies to be done and then mixing Mixing. That's really where, yeah, mixing. Mixing. The challenge, yeah. right? That's where it's <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't, I disagree. I, I, I love mixing. I think to me, that's like the whole thing. Uh, the uh, director, uh, Ang Lee, says that, uh, you know, uh, putting together your, your script, in this case, you know, your, your original songs, you know, it's, it's like getting your recipes together and then shooting the film, you know, under the camera, in your case, you're recording all these parts, getting all that material that you're going to need is like going Shopping is like going to the market and coming home. And then he says, editing the film together, and in your case, mixing and editing it together, that's when you yeah. cook the food, totally. you know? And, 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 and so I'm sure that's going to be a very cool, exciting process. It's, it's definitely exciting. I mean, doing this is exciting because, like I said, at the outset, we, we really haven't, these haven't been performed out in the world. So literally, yeah. okay, I, that's the other thing is all, many bands will go into the studio and 
you know, rock it down a couple of times and then go and then replace a couple of things mm-hmm. and just call it a day. But you're really piecing it together as you write it and creating it and putting it together all that way. So did you guys do like a live rehearsal for this? We did some, but it was it was skeleton stuff. You know, it would be like Rick and I and, you know, either Joe or Nick, uh, you know, prepping to go into the studio and, and Chris, you know, more coming in on the fly. Um but then I would say with the live band, just getting basics down and taking it maybe 50% of the way there. And then me going back in, you know, late nights and just putting track after track after track of overdubs on to, or, you know, layers. Yeah. All the harmonies, all the. No, I'm sorry. I'm being yeah. even more on the nose. This literal group here, right here, yeah. have you hung and played these no. tunes? No, beyond Shit. The, beyond A the couple rehearsal. days ago for yeah. the first time. Yeah. 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 That's crazy good. The rehearsal for this was the first time we Oof. kind of played it out as a band, which is so backwards from the usual process, right? But That's why I'm um, roofing. But yeah. <laughs> but I've done that before. So I was in this band, Museum of Science, where... Uh, An awesome band. Well, thanks. Let me just put that down. A legendary brand in the Seacoast area. Go. Well, we those tracks were created, uh, you know, recorded into a computer, and, and it really all started just as a joke. But then we, we created these things, and they were never intended to be played live. They were just intended to be these sort of soundscapes you know then we thought wow maybe we actually could play these live so we went back and learned how to play them you know we had to go back and figure out how to play what we had created yeah that's a commonality with uh with with songwriters especially like a singer songwriter type where they'll go through the hell of getting all their Mm -hmm. life story into the goddamn thing and doing the whole thing and recording it and getting it done and then you realize i have a show and i don't know any of these songs right and so it, it's so embarrassing to go back and learn your own material. Totally. But. And that's what this is. Do you is, remember uh, Museum of Science? Absolutely. Did you see them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. At the Stone Church. Yeah. Uh, at least it's once. Ridiculous yeah. shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. That crazy. You still have that crazy guitar. Yeah. The double, double neck. neck. That yeah. thing was insane. Yeah. Was that, yeah, was was that the dress up band? We would wear uh, usually lab coats. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yep. Yeah, and I had this double neck guitar that had all these lights in it and gauges and stuff, and all of which were fake. But they would just—it was like one knob that actually. Don't worked. fucking ruin my. I don't thing. know. It looked awesome. Everyone don't had cool <laughs> names. <laughs> were they were real. It's not fake. Were you? MC they were really lights. Well, well let me was? put it this way: they worked, but they only worked on other planets because of the, the atmosphere. They didn't work here on Earth. So, yeah. MC Food Court. MC was Food Court. Yeah, yeah, that was my. I told you, I was persona. a fan for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was my persona. <laughs> MC Food Court. Who else was it? LeBaron. LeBaron, yeah. yep, that was Sean. And let uh, me see if I can get it. Uh, I want to say Doctor Bunsen, Honey Jones. That's it. You got uh, it. Wow! Awesome. Out of the blue. Out of the out man. of the ass. <laughs> I still listen to uh, what's what's that one song with the put the microphone closer to the speaker. <laughs> yeah. That's my jam. That's yes. Fizuk. Yeah. Wow, that that, that's, that's a classic. That's so the single for me. Anyway, pumped that you remember that. Wow. That's great. Those guys are going to listen to this podcast, and if they get this far into it, they're going <laughs> to they're going to go holy shit. Yeah, he remembers. Oh, I do. I love that band. That's fucking awesome. great. I understand what you're saying, though. That that whole process. Well, it was a different process, right? Mm-hmm. But this is this is interesting. I I love the way the whole thing comes from. And please don't take this the wrong way, but I mean, it almost comes from a non sequitur. It almost comes from this arbitrary thing, which is like, oh look, paint swatches. <laughs> no, you're you're totally right. You're totally right. It's but I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, it feels like I'm digging a little here, but it, it but. 
feels like there's a story that's been trying to happen here and i yeah. mean maybe maybe you need you know you need to sort of offload some of that to the paint swatch names or something to get it going yeah and it, it it started with the most mundane thing you know and it wasn't like i was looking to do this and trying to find a vehicle for it like oh you know i need to go out and right look at different types of right. trees it wasn't like and conscious, come up with, no yes. it wasn't a conscious thing at all it was just like i that name i can i can hear that song gypsy teal you know i can hear it so then it just kind of came about and by the way i did consult an attorney to make sure that there were no issues with using the names uh who owns the rights to the paints gypsy teal can you know she can come over to your house and be like i cannot believe you used my name because that's how she talks (laughs) she's a 75 year old southeast asian stripper no 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 from chicago (laughs) i'm just going off your impression she used to strip in chicago she's still got the little tassel things that spin around she's like you cannot you give me back my name she and her best friend amber waves (laughs) (laughs) okay so you guys know that i am a a vampire for for shitty band names and shit but we've been down that road how about some what were some of the names of the paint swatches that you left behind that you could not did you try did you did you have any uh, like aborted attempts at like oh oh yeah i totally need to make well yeah, they were a couple. It was like I don't know. I I can't remember specifically. Rick, do you remember like Crimson Champagne or something? Sunspark, right? Sunspark that was, was one. one. Jesus, that's uh, a terrible name. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> Sunspark. Oh man, there was, was that some sort of orange yellow right thing yeah, yeah. with yeah. like a redness. Oh, very black. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch that one. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, you tried. You're like, you tried. Um. Yeah, yeah, exactly. None more. Um, <laughs> well, that one I was like, nah. okay. I was kind of like, all right, very black. Like this is this could be super sad. It can be very in- in- no, just no, just, just never no, mind. not even <laughs> not working. The juice in this case not worth the squeeze. Right, exactly, exactly, <laughs> precisely. Uh, wow. Do you remember any others, Rick? You can just make them up if you want. I know. No, I can't. No, There's one like right on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think yeah, of it. No, there were there were a bunch. I, I, you know what? If I was I, smart, I would. You should have brought the board, man. He's got a stack. whiteboard at home no, 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 with like these listen, names man, on it. It's 2018. You need a video element to your marketing, and this is the video is element it. to your marketing. You just run with this. Maybe every every couple of days, you can go Instagram, go. Sunspark. Right. This was shit. Didn't make it. And then you guys can talk about something. Throw that out. Pull the next one. You Tell do like the, the NXS video where you just yeah, chuck yeah. in paint swatches. Right, right. <laughs> It'll be well, the outtakes. Isn't that kind of like the, the, the Bob Dylan yeah, video? Yeah, no, it definitely is. Right. It'll be our evolution. That's the shit. Right? Yeah, you could do yeah, the Bob Dylan paint. video with throw paint swatches left and right. Totally. I don't know why you would do that. Okay. I'm not a video guy. Maybe that's not know. a good idea. I don't know. Maybe I should just stick with what I do really well. And that's not it. So let's get Rick's perspective. What do you think of this whole thing, Rick? Yeah, it's all right. Meh. <laughs> Meh. Jeez, I would have expected that from Chris, but not from you. God. So, uh, so let's get a little bit of a background here. So, just as a jumping-off point, I heard that today was the 40th anniversary of the Van Halen. Oh, of the first album. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. When did you get that shit? So, uh, 83, 84, my, uh, my sister who loved disco and there's nothing wrong with that, but she, um, 
she was in like the Columbia Records Club, and oh, they, yeah. they sent her that album. Yeah, they, which was basically a racket where they sent you albums you didn't want and then charged you. So you could send them back. You could send them back, but instead she would just throw them in my room. So she threw Van Halen one in my room, which was weird because that album had come out like five or six years prior to that. But they sent it to her, and she didn't want it, so she chucked it in my room. And before then, I was just I had been listening to like I don't know Cat Stevens and you know folky stuff that my dad was into, Paul Simon. Sure. And then I turned that album on. And I was like, "Oh, electric guitar, lots of it." Yeah, yeah, you can do that with a guitar too. So that changed everything. But yeah, fortieth anniversary, Van Halen. Yeah, did well, you shoplift that cassette when you were young, or <laughs> Caldor? Rick? No, I I think I had that on vinyl. Actually, I hmm. uh, got a lot of the Van Halen on vinyl. I had a buddy who brought over. Uh, I want to say it was Fair Warning was the first one but similar reaction you know that mean streets intro mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and being like what is that a is that a guitar yeah, you know that, that whole that right. thing and it's it was mind-blowing man it was just like wow Holy. okay this is freaking amazing you know right going back and uh i think the next album was uh the first van halen totally uh after that we quickly got that yeah it was hard to shoplift vinyl it was too big to put in your pocket you right. know you need a trench coat yeah it, <laughs> did, it didn't work that's a throwback there yeah, the cassettes throwback the, the, shoplifting. They, they work so much better i figured i'd bring it up again just because you know he hasn't gone to jail you know yet. i had one aunt who actually listened to that podcast and she said was that really true do you didn't do that stuff did you yeah. i was oh, like honey. of course no. not no. That's funny. No. Yeah, that first Van Halen album, man. Well, here's the interesting That so, just fucked up everybody. What, what do you think, Chris and Joe? Like, were you guys into that album? No? I don't think Joe was born when that happened, so. No. no. Here you go. Well, I... <laughs> right, I, asked, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, I'm a little jealous of that, but whatever. It's all good. Well, it's funny. I had Joe over, so different, you know, different players, different ages, right? Different interests. I had Joe over to the house, and I, I was in this... 80s hair metal band Camarawana for a long time. You mean Camarawana? Camarawana. Camarawana. And I had an Eddie Van Halen replica guitar, you know, like his signature kind of. Sure. Uh, and I had it hanging up downstairs, and Joe came over one time and was like, Hey, isn't that who's, isn't that the, whose guitar is that? Yeah. Awesome. And I was that like, is oh, the man. best. Yeah. That is the best. Did that you, was the Sinister I Gates? I, was, huh? it, was it the black and white version? The, the red and white and black one, the, you know, yes. You've been following that thread on Facebook. Are you suggesting, wait a minute, aren't those two different guitars? No, they're the same. What? Yeah, it's true. All right, let's geek out for a second. Not what do you we, mean? Not that we haven't been. For a second? So the, the, that black and white guitar on the first album. Van Halen. Van Halen 1. 1. He the then, black and white guitar, which he made with like. Spare like, parts. and Yeah, and like electrical tape and paint and right. shit, right? So he then later taped it up again and painted it red and it became the red one the famous. red one is yeah. the same as the black the and white one, one. I, already, I knew that but yeah you know. see i know you knew. But you were teeing it up i also had a giant woody for valerie bertinelli the entire time she was on television oh god who didn't well i know but it was like yeah. people who weren't born for 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 the other people in the room <laughs> any, any exactly any, any van hillen was married was married to valerie bertinelli and it was cool because they both had the same hair but anyway they did they did they did. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Most be. people had that haircut, though, didn't they? I, I tried, but I, it, tried I, I looked more like Bette Midler when that happened, so I got rid yeah. of it immediately. I didn't have the stones to go all Long in, walk home you know, from the... I had the hockey mullet. That was as far as I got toward, you know... It's very well, New Hampshire. Who did? It's very New Hampshire. Totally. Who didn't have the hockey mullet? I mean, that's you had to Chris, do that. Chris, did you have the hockey mullet? No. What's no, a hockey mullet? Exactly. Saying, you see? It's all he's, good. He's saying no. I know. We, we know better. Uh, yes. 
uh, these guys em- encompass a, a, the general concept of cool, which I have no idea how to encompass. <laughs> so, no, I just uh, just do it. But yeah, but that brings me to uh, another point. I love one thing that's great about this project is playing with pe- lots of different people. Yeah, you know, like Rick has been the the, the backbone there with me, but um, we've brought in, you know, just. You know, I feel like I've played around here long enough. I built up some goodwill that I was then Definitely, able to man. spend yeah. to get some people to come in. You know, and like Joe and I haven't been playing together very long at all, but it's been a blast. You know, we've just sort of met, been hanging out, and becoming well, friends. Chris and I have played together yeah. quite a while now, but you know, and then Jamie Perkins came in and played on a couple. He and I have played together for like twenty years. Yeah. Rick and I have known each other for twenty five years, but didn't so, play together. Speaking of the sort of the connections, so let me ask Joe. So, what are some of the original? What, what band did you play in with uh, Jamie Perkins? So we started out in a band called Starch. Yeah. Then we were in Museum of Science. Right. Then we were in a band called Swamp Yankee. Right. And then he joined the Pretty Reckless and now tours the world. Yeah. With those guys. So. So Joe, you heard this work? Uh well, um, I, I, I expect that you would. I'm just asking. I'm just curious. I haven't really heard much of well John's band Fly Spinach Fly my my oldest brother Matt. There you go. He was we're digging back. he was a huge fan of that that band and stuff and uh mm. when John dropped that name I was just like oh no shit that's cool. So uh, do you remember hearing Fly Spinach Fly when you were a kid? I I, I, I obviously your your older brother was into it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean like I I shared a room with with my oldest brother for a while and, right. and I'm sure it was it was one of the many bands that were that were played, um, but it, it was it was never something that I, you know, gravitated to. Right, you didn't have a, a, a direct connection to that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Well, Fly Spanish Fly was like a. It, it was also the kind of band that everybody kind of knew anyway. It was. It, I don't yeah. know what to say. But I want to. I don't want to really characterize it too heavily, but it kind of you could definitely call it a party band to a certain extent, yeah, or sure. dance band to a certain extent. So it was one of those things where everybody could dig it, and it was college time. And it was very much a band of its time. Like, yeah. you know, it was it was rap and metal, which yeah. had its moment in the sun, made right. sense for 15 <laughs> minutes in the late 90s, and right. then or mid-90s, I'm, I'm that old. And, and, <laughs> and uh, then it didn't make sense anymore. But, yeah, but it sounded yeah. fucking great coming off a cassette. So oh you yeah, know, yeah, it was awesome. yeah. It was <laughs> especially fun. in your in your truck yeah. related and, and, night, going and, like seventy down the back roads. Totally, and that band has <laughs> legs. It's amazing how many people like Joe will come to me and be like, "Oh my, you know, my brother was in that band, or I saw you one time at UNH, or blah blah blah." And it's I'm like, man, at the time I had no idea that that would go anywhere or have any history to it. You know? Oh, there's no question it yeah. did. Yeah, it was fun. Right. So. I don't know. I mean, it feels like at this point, it feels I'm, I'm completely psyched that you did the song that you did. I'm hoping that you guys could do another one. We will. Um, but it feels like there's still a step or two to go here. Yeah. Are you looking forward to this? Is this oh, scary? Yeah. Is this, uh, uh, well, it's it's both, but I, there's light. How does this shit affect you in particular? Because everybody has this time where you're going to at some point go, okay, this is done. Right. 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 Some people are super fire and forget. They're like, yeah, it's done. Mm-hmm. I made it. It's done. Some people are just going to be like, uh, you have to tear it. I used to produce <laughs> yeah. for record yeah, labels. Yeah. You just are gripping one side of it and <laughs> the other side is three pit bulls going, <laughs> fuck you. It's done. And you're like, fuck you. You have no money. And right. we're getting out of this studio now. So fucking finish it. Like, well, if we don't finish it, then you can't use it. And you're like, great, awesome, yeah. give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> so what? how do you fit onto this skill? Do you have anybody to do that? Do you have anybody who's going to look at you and go, hey, kid, you're all done? 
Well, is it you? It's me. It's Rick. It's uh, Chris Chase to some degree. He's been. He's That's kind of really what cool I was thinking. Yeah, Chris is probably. And, and my wife Nikki's been. She's been super cool about. You know, she's she's like. Again, she's kind of one foot in, one foot out in a good way. Right. Like, you know, she's not a musician. She doesn't play an instrument. She's, yeah, but you so have she's an objective point of view. Yeah, so yeah. she's listening from this point of, like, you know, someone who it would just be a consumer listening. And right. She knows good music, so she yeah. just wants it to be good. So it's, um, she pushes me, and, and I'm pushing myself because it's, you know, it's time. It's time for it to, it's, it's so close to the finish line. I can see it. You know, it's like. Well, there you go. So you yourself can see it totally. being yeah. completed. Yeah. Which is exciting. I mean, I can't. I'm still grinning because we played the. Team. You know, like it's awesome. It's awesome. It's like it's been so long, right? You know, waiting for this to come to fruition, and it's like, okay, this is actually happening live in a room, and we're we're talking to you, and so it's real. It's it's fucking great. So, um, trying not trying to do this without jinxing shit, but I, it's not much I can do. Just call me off if I'm going down that oh, road. No, you're not so, gonna jinx it. It's happening. So Genie's the name the of the the main the name of the band here is Paintbox. Is that also the name of the project? That's the name of the project. And I guess I you know that's a, again one of those maybe to be determined like how exactly it gets sort of put out there. Is it John McCormick? I, I like I like this John McCormick presents yeah. Paintbox because and I feel like you know some sort of MC, but, or it could just be Paintbox, or it could be, I don't know, John McCormick. And the, but the project itself know. is the idea is, is Paintbox. Paintbox. Yeah. yeah. And so at this point you, you, you're looking at a, a possible theater release. Do you see this coming out as a, just simply a recording? Yeah, no, definitely. I want to do like all, you know, streaming and potentially vinyl and all that good stuff. Well, one of the great things about things like Spotify, if you, if you do embrace things like that is that there are no limits to anything at all. You can put out a 420 second song or do whatever the hell you want. And it's not relevant. You can do a, a, you know, an album that has, you know, 80 tracks. So in your situation, it does seem like a great destination. Yeah, totally. I want to put it if you can, can, if you can encourage it to be listened to, does it need to be listened to? It's I would imagine in order, right? It doesn't have to be. No, no, order, I, I, but I didn't mean that. Um, I mean, if you wanted to get the story, though. It is tough to get this, even the scope of the project because the nature of the way it came about, and I think we were talking about this earlier, is, is uh, it, they're all they're very eclectic. I mean, there's there's a lot of different flavors happening here. So, like, even just the two you're hearing today is, like, you don't get the full picture, you know? But that's it's a lot to ask for people to say like okay I need you to listen to a minimum of eight tunes to even understand what I'm where I'm coming from. Well, no, I mean so, obviously each thing is going to be. But same. they have to stand on their own, like to Rick's point. Favorite you know? color. Yeah. My favorite color. No, of the of the swatches, not necessarily your favorite song, but the favorite sw- swatch color. You were just like, oh, that was easy. Deep Earth, I think would be. Oh, the, really? Yeah. Deep Earth is. I'm liking that one. Which color did you use in your actual painting? Oh, I there is no actual. I haven't painted anything. You said you painted your your house. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that that was um boy, I don't remember. We ended up picking something. Yeah, that just, you know, that just fell by the white. wayside. I think. Regular ass yeah, blue. It was white. No, it right. was like a Yeah, white. <laughs> very white. Yeah, very, very, very white. Spinning for New Hampshire, I guess. Right, right. Six oh three white. <laughs> That's the color of my office. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wow! Uh, no, it actually was. I think it was like a metallic silver, which is silly. It was like a two stage. It was dumb. Nice two stage. Yeah, yeah. You had to paint it like brown and then yeah, and silver. crackle. Yeah, right. Nice. No, yeah, there's no crackle, but <laughs> no crackle. <laughs> it's got a nice sheen to it. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. So, so, so. Wow, I, I don't. I, I, 
I, I keep thinking the same thing, which I really want to hear this thing come together. I really want to hear right. it get to where it needs to go. Oh, it, it feels will. like yeah, you have a, all this all this stuff moving forward. Uh, just for the sake of the podcast, we have a couple of uh, a couple of tropes that we like to run down sure. here. Uh, I know we talked about this a little bit on the. Uh, you know, on your order of thieves thing, but just back. Where do you? Uh, w- we were talking about Van Halen. Do you remember when you got the Van Halen album? When? Yeah, or or how? Or do you, can you place that? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think I mentioned this. My yeah, sister. Yeah, we were talking. Yeah, we were talking about. This, about I think, oh, when I walked out. Columbia House. Yeah. Oh, the Columbia House. Right. Yeah, yeah, the Columbia House. My sister threw it. Well, were around that around that time. Were you were you considering like writing music? When did you really start writing music? Uh, I. More like when I started, I got into Rush, I think, yeah. was around, similar around that time. And I was like, oh, wow. I always wonder if yeah. it was just because, you know, we grew up around here that everybody's like, oh, yeah, Rush. Because you, know, you have your Rush phase. But it's not. I no, mean, it's, it's like, that was like a phase a for everybody. You yeah. know, it wasn't In just Prince, proximity I mean, to Canada. My sisters played so much stuff around the house. I mean, they played a lot of like Prince and disco and, and funk stuff. And yep. I, I love that stuff. And a lot of this project is sort of getting back to that uh, groove oriented type oh. stuff. All right, uh, quick reactions. Yes. The police. Oh, love them! Amazing. Pat Benatar. Uh, flashes of brilliance, but meh. Michael Jackson, The Wall. Oh, amazing! Love it. <laughs> awesome. Love it. That was that was on heavy rotation growing up. The Scorpions album that had the uh, the the love fork sting digging into your blackout. eyes. Yeah, that was blackout. Yep, blackout. had that one on vinyl. I still have that one on vinyl. Best Aerosmith album. Oh, boy. Uh, or one of the greats. Toys in the Attic. Yeah. 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 Ah, everyone right. else come is on. like, Toys, like, come yeah, on, yeah. it's got to be Toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, Chris and Joe are like, who are these old people? Did you, ever, did you ever see Aerosmith? Live? I never did, no. Neither did I. It's an absolute regret, because I'm not going to see fucking see him now. Fuck that shit. Like, no, I, no. I missed it in the time. Did you ever see Jay Giles? No. Fuck no. me. I didn't either. That's, I'm no. going down the, the bands that I can't believe I never saw. Apparently, Jay Giles still fucking rocks. I know, but it's different if it's not Peter Wolf and shit. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Right. How about you, Briggs? The band you didn't I see. I never saw Jay Giles. No, the band you didn't see that you were like, fuck. Oh. Did you see the Pixies? Yeah, yeah. I've seen okay. The Pixies. So yeah, sure. do you have one? Uh, Zappa, I guess. Oh, I gotta go fuck. Zappa. I never saw Zappa I saw either. Zappa. I saw him on his last tour. Right on. Yeah, yeah he cool. was amazing. Yep. 80s, uh, 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 you know, guilty pleasure album or song. Wow, uh, my! <laughs> I just heard one. another one the other night. It was on uh, on Jimmy Fallon. They were like, "I'm it over you." Oh boy, that's all it's over. I glow, go yeah. west. I'm the king of wishful thinking. I'm like, oh, I love that song. Night? Oh shit, uh, I'm not supposed to like that song. Always something there. Always something oh, better to remind. Yeah. Really? Yes. Always yeah. something there. We were just talking about that other tune. Uh, Joe, was it you who suggested like a, a different arrangement of that? See, Joe had this great idea. Tell him. Yeah, I just um, I remember like just hearing the song on the radio recently, or even a couple of years ago, and just be like, man, just like just replaying that song like almost to the T, but with you know like modern inflection. Right. I think it'd be like a fantastic song because. It is. Oh, I mean, it's a great... All these songs yeah. that we make fun of and shit, not all, most of them are actually structured beautifully. They have great mm. melodies. They're solid. Totally. They just have this twist to them that is just says 80s. Right. And then, Production you know, of that time. Right. Immediately yeah. just goes directly to, you know, 7-Eleven, Big Gulp, 
neon green or something. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, green. okay, I guess that's just not going to work. <laughs> that's going to be on the second album. Big, oh, that's right. Oh, shit. Right colors. You, you've kind of uh, yeah, co-opted the entire colors yeah, thing now. I guess so. Ooh. Well, not yet, but yeah. maybe if this goes well. Yeah, band that you didn't see that you're just like, oh, God damn it. Uh, Jane's Addiction. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Had tickets. Don't remember why. I, I wonder if go. it would have been good. I think it was. Sure, it, it was. Been good. Yeah, I think it was yes. the first Lollapalooza. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then yes. Yeah. 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 That and I had tickets to see Jeff Beck and Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I again I don't remember what the heck happened. Ended up not. I going. saw that tour. Did you? And then yeah, of course each night they would. Yeah, exactly. They would yep. switch. Like yep. Beck would open, and then mm-hmm. Stevie Ray Vaughan would open. But Jeff Beck had who playing the fucking drums? Was it the guy who played in Heart? Who's the little skinny guy who plays? Rick. I think he played with Zappa for a little while, not Kaliuta. Chad Wackerman? No, little guy, black Vinny hair. Vinny Kaliuta? No, not Vinny Kaliuta. Terry Bozio? Yeah, no, yes. Anyway, whatever. All right. <laughs> we'll go with Terry Bozio. I think it wasn't, but anyway. Yeah, and the, that was uh, stomping yeah, I good. I bet. Get to see both of them the same night. And totally. That changed the way I played uh, the keyboards. I didn't really like playing Hammond organ. I'd mm-hmm. do it just reluctantly because it's always like, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith, or, I mean, you know, someone right. who's unbelievably great and I'm not going right. to fucking kick pedals and all that kind of stuff. And then yeah. I saw that thing, the guy who was playing Hammond with, uh, with, uh, Steve Ray Vaughn. And I saw it for the first time. It's like a really cool support instrument. And nice. then that was like, I need to get back onto the Hammond. That got me back onto the Hammond. Isn't it crazy that people used to carry those around to gigs. I, I did. I had a C3 in my very first touring gig Oof. not a b3 a c3 that's what the church sized church size it was that's what c stands for is church <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. you need a congregation to carry it it was funny we had those cool yeah cool see what i did uh, i heard you i saw, I saw, I saw that like those very black ah, this weird thing. <laughs> exactly that would go like clink onto the sides and then strap together and they had these wheels and you'd kind of wheel the whole thing out it was like Horrifying. It was like moving two refrigerators at the same time. Sounded fucking great. Of course. Cut down right. a voice of the theater. Man, I'm getting old here. Cut oh, down man. a VO, voice of the theater cab. So we had just the top. Put that on top of the Leslie behind my head. This is why I still can't hear you guys unless you speak up. <laughs> do you have? Do we have time for a quick tangent? Of course. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you a funny about? story. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But, your so, episode. So I have a good friend of mine who he's, he's an older gentleman and he used to play drums for Paul Anka back in the day. And he played Hammond and, uh, in a lot of bands in like the late sixties, great guy, awesome guy. He was like from a different, you know, he was, he, he was from an era when like you could get a lot of work as a musician. Like they were, right you know, he was in bands that would like do the new England leg of the tour with the Doobie brothers when they were coming through, you know, that kind of sure. thing. So he was, he told this hilarious story. He was in this band called, I think they were called three out of like somewhere out of Massachusetts. And this guy had this like very specific vision about this band. It was like late sixties, Prague, maybe early seventies. He, he was like a mechanical engineer. He built all of these machines to, to have on stage. So he, and he had this very specific vision, the drums. So he, my friend was playing Hammond organ in this band at the time. So the drums were on like a circular thing that would rotate slowly as the band played. Go on. The bass player slash singer who was like the band leader had a, a conveyor belt. Please that, continue. <laughs> he built this thing so that he and his I'm, bass. I'm holding my hand so yeah. you will not see my giant Woody. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he and his bass and his mic stand because he was singing would travel 
back and forth across the front oh of the my. stage. That's like this, amazing. Right? Oh my. While the drums were rotating. And then he built, for my friend Jim, he, his Hammond organ, he built this metal like cradle so that the Hammond oh, organ would rock like this. So his seat and the organ would rock back and forth so like he could play it because it was it was rocking with him. So the idea was... If we could get that back, America would be great again. Oh this is kind of like the Chuck E. Cheese band. <laughs> but they're awesome. Like right. Herky jerk yeah. But the back best. And forth. So he tells this hilarious story about how they're playing some gymnasium because this is back when people would actually <laughs> show it, up Also because it wouldn't fit anywhere right. else. But continue, please. So he's got... <laughs> You know, the, the, the 10-hour sound check, they get all the machines working correctly. Right? This is just respecting the audience totally, and the art. Totally. And so they, their sound guy decided, like, this is such a big show. I'm going to go out and buy this brand-new smoke machine. Well, he didn't realize oh! that the smoke machine... Oh, where this is going. You know where this is going. So the smoke machine had, like, you know, 10 times the capacity of the one they had before. Of so course. he just turns the thing up. <laughs> this gymnasium instantly just fills with thick... <laughs> Dense smoke. And, and my buddy Jim was saying, like, so the drums are spinning. He's just catching glimpses of the drummer as he's going by. The bass player would, like, come in and out of his view, like, depending on where he was in the conveyor belt. And he said, I was just going like this. And he's like, I was so baked out of my mind. He's like, at one point, I sort of, like, threw up in my lap a little bit and just kept playing. It's like the insane. worst ride at Canby Lake Park. Yeah. Like, and never, you can't get off. No, you yeah. can't get off. He's like, I couldn't see a single person in the crowd. I could hear them. But, oh, amazing. That has got to be the best show ever in New England, ever. And, and to hear this guy tell the story, like, you know, it, it just, I was done. Uh, it was amazing. So, anyway, we can recreate that. I feel like. Yeah, the visual right? element, exactly. The visual element yeah, right there. It's, it's taking it to the goal line. I mean, forget, <laughs> like, costumes. This, this and, shit used to happen. I saw Todd Runger. The first time I saw Todd Runger, and the, uh, the, the, the drummer had, like, a motorcycle drum set. It was all electronic. So, as you can see it on the, you can Google it on the internet, and it's just got. Like all these tubes come out of the side of it. Like it was, he was hanging on, like sitting on it, like on a motorcycle and playing around and using his pedals. It was all electronic and shit, right? So that whole thing. But then, you know, of course, you're waiting for that, that, you know, ultimate spinal tap moment where, and sure enough, like at the, like at the end of the show, he's spinning around on it and you're like, yeah, <laughs> and you're always waiting to, you know. I wondered that about that one night that it didn't work, or you know, you get stuck. Oh yeah, the spinal so, tap moment. Was yeah, did you ever see? Uh, did you ever see Motley Crue? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, not until relatively recently. Right. Did you uh, see the one that came around around their last tour? We just uh, my my brother in law took. Uh, I don't know if it was the last couple one. of us. A couple tool. years ago, it was Kiss and Motley Crue. Yeah, regretfully, this is the one where uh, they the where uh, where the drum set was upside down on the roller coaster over the over the, you know. The, anyway, if you right. want to have a good five or ten, yeah, exactly. Joe knows yeah. where you want to have a good ten minutes of just guttural, can't stand it, laughing and crying because you you just need everybody to leave. Watch uh, the last show, the last. Okay. It's on the internet. The last Motley Crue show doesn't work. Good. Breaks down. I swear to God that I I don't know, but there's no way it couldn't have been on purpose by the techs. They basically leave Tommy, Tommy Lee, Lee uh, above the audience, upside down. The thing jams like <sighs> on their last show in front of like their original audience, and he has to get. And he's screaming at everybody. He has to get out. He has to crawl down. Oh, he has to climb man. down the. Just and perfect. I'm just, I'm just Hilarious. picturing in my mind like these two techs that have had to deal with those fuckers for the last 20 years, just going, <laughs> yeah, high five, five. Yeah. 
him. <laughs> leaving him. Yeah. You finally got him. Then yeah. like running out really fast. Right, like, right. I don't kill him. Just sign the check. We're out of here. Yeah. We are gone. Oh, no, fuck the check. Man. That was worth every minute. That's great. No, but yeah, that's I. I. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a keyboard player, but I love your friend's story. I love everything I about it. When too. you go, you know what? I am willing to risk total and complete embarrassment in order to make you the the viewer happy like you the person who went not i'm cool i'm so cool and uh yeah you know fuck you for showing up you know fuck you like i could just never again i couldn't care less about i think that. it's an amazing example of you know someone who's has a very specific vision is it executing just it? do it no matter what do it right no matter what I the cost just is the level of i don't give a fuck yeah. is so out of the and the, just picture not this guy in like in his mom's basement welding this thing <laughs> like, why up. not mom shut up would you 10 more minutes right i'm almost done with, almost done with the yeah but, but that means there was one perfect night totally there was gotta have been a perfect night. Oh yeah, where the where the rocking, where it all where the, the rocking was just right. Yeah, right. the Hammond right. just rocked back right. and forth perfectly. The conveyor belt brought the bass player across and yep. back in right. perfect, the perfect synchronization. Time in the song, right? How could that not be perfect, man? Chuck E. Cheese pizza was good that yeah. night. <laughs> the dimensional portal opened, <laughs> and everyone was swept into it. Wolfman had nards. You have. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to this. If you don't mind, Briggs, I'm going to pull this one here because you know I'm, I'm looking at McCormick, who's kind of a legend around here. I'm sorry no. to blow smoke up your shit, but wow. it's true. It's a big smoke machine. Wow. You get two road stories. Go. Two what? Two road stories. Oh, stories from, from the my road. Personal experience. Road stories. Stories from the road. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is that the Road Stories theme? It is. Okay. <laughs> Written by Phil. Phil Clogger. Yeah. Okay. They probably all involved New Jersey. Um, Why? Uh, for some reason, Fly Spinach Fly used to play there a lot. Okay. Uh, so the a, band. Yes. Fly Spinach Fly. Fly. I like the five W's. When? Okay. When 1900s. was, yes, sometime in, sometime in the last century. Previous century. Yes. Previous yeah, century. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And Who, what, where, when? I Fly Spinach Fly? Yep. Okay. And so we used to play in Asbury Park. Okay. And I remember we played a show there, and uh, it was great. Like people would turn out for you know bands that they'd never heard of and pay seven bucks to see some band from out of town. That you know it was cool. It was a cool scene. This which is like why a, we kept coming back. This is like a twenty, thirty people in the audience, two hundred people audience, hundred uh, people. I, in? You know, probably like 100, 150. 150. People, great. You know? So great crowd. Great was crowd. The Saint. The Saint. Yeah. I think it was the Saint uh, actually. Yeah. The Saint is what the is club? A club in the club. Asbury uh, Park. Uh, yeah. And at that time, Asbury Park was like you know this very economically bombed out. Like it had been awesome when Bruce Springsteen was sure. in his heyday, and then it had like completely crashed. And there were like you know rusting hulks of roller coasters that used to be part of the you know seaside theme park. That, that just sounds now. so awesome. Yeah. So it was just it was just bombed out, like methed out. You know, just there were needles everywhere, and it was it was it was pretty bad. But there was I think those places sometimes breed awesome music scenes because they. They just lapped it up. They loved it. Sure. They not just us. I mean, bands would come through town, and it was cool. So we played this club, and we had I had like taken my dad's credit card and rented a fifteen passenger van, which was not supposed to leave New England. That was like the right. deal. <laughs> you had unlimited 15 mileage. Fifteen passenger land. Fifteen passenger van because unlimited we were, mileage. Right. Not as long supposed as you to leave don't leave New England. England. So we immediately head out of New England into New Jersey, and we're in. Asbury Park, and we couldn't afford a hotel room, so they had this little tiny like apartment where we could stay upstairs, which unfortunately also was the apartment of the sound guy or one of the bouncers or something. So we had to crash on his living room floor. So it was like basically what we've got here, a couple couches, and then like eight of us 
crashed on the floor. So this guy had a, a huge black lab, and he decided once he was done with his duties down in the club, he had met a, a lady, and he brought her up to his room. Not the Labrador. Not but the, the Labrador, guy. but the guy. You, right. So the guy, who we are now sharing his space, brings this lady into his room, and they start doing things real loud. For unawful carnal knowledge. Yes. Right. <laughs> and, and so we're all trying to sleep in his living room just outside the door. His dog, this Labrador, who was like, maybe was missing him all night while he was downstairs in the club. Yeah, is like, freaking out, scratching at the door, stomping all over us, like it's pacing around the room, panting, while the noises are coming out of his room and then out of the corner of my eyes. Maybe he was trying to save his master. Maybe. He was trying to save him from whatever horrible thing was happening in there. So then... (laughs) Unlawful. You know, this goes on, and I'm just like, this is never going to end. And then I, out of the corner of my eye, I see, like, the sun coming up out the window. And I just, at that moment, I was like, i got to get a job. <laughs> That's an awesome story. The end. <laughs> That's a gorgeous story. Like I'm on a floor in New Jersey. <laughs> with eight people. Yeah, with eight dudes. And there's a and dude the in the dog. next room yeah. bouncing was- up and down on somebody, and his dog is stomping on my crotch, crying and trying to get into that room. It was just like, what's happening right now? (laughs) And and like I said, I'm waiting for a while. So you get to contrast that, please, with another road story. Most people don't get two double dips here. Wow. Boy, you got to pull it together. Come on. You're doing great. Uh, Okay. Give me a positive one. I'm going to go gig? with uh, Bling Cherry in Vermont, oh. which involves, which involves What Mr. does that mean? Mr. Chris Sink and Why uh, is Mr. he laughing? Because he knows. I don't remember the story, actually. Yeah, so he, he does. He kind of does. Okay, go. Chris, feel free to chime in. So we've, we played this amazing wedding in Vermont. Bling Cherry was this disco funk cover band that we were in. Was this also a dress-up band? Yep. We were in costumes and doing, you know. What kind of costumes? Like leisure suits and wigs and... I'm, help, I'm, I'm helping you paint the picture for the yeah. listener. Big lapels, the whole thing. Platforms. Yeah. Platform shoes. You're taller than you even are right now. Yeah, I'm not that tall. Well, but, still know. with platforms. Right. Okay. So we we drive out to Vermont, and um, the whole thing was supposed to be this beautiful next to a lake, this pristine lake, and it was like a monsoon. It was like a hurricane. So the whole thing got moved inside under this tent, and these people were super cool. The is it raining while you're playing? Yeah, it's, oh, it's shit. the whole time. Like it is. Those of us who have played wedding gigs yeah. know this is not good sauce. <laughs> well, it actually, aside from the, ins- the, the crazy load-in, it actually worked out really well because everyone got crammed in under the tent. The bride and groom was super cool. They ended up like on stage with us, and everyone just had a, an absolute blast. Great, awesome. And so then, at the end of the night, they said to us, what, Chris? They had canoes full of beer. They had cases oh, of wine. Oh, it's that gig, yeah. Yeah, that gig. Canoes full of beer. Canoes full of beer. So yeah. at the end of the night, they were like, hey, guys, uh, you know, you're still breaking down your gear. This was great. We had a great time. You guys, you just take whatever you want. Just take whatever you want. So we took the canoe, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. We took, we took, I shouldn't say this. You should say it. We got well, four out of five stars from that, uh, that website from that gig, and I we think did. it's because we took the canoe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we actually statute of limitations <laughs> on float craft is no longer than a year. He's exaggerating. We didn't take the actual canoe, but we took a bucket. We took a lot of. We took. There were cases of wine, cases of beer. They said, "Take what they you said, would take like." What you want? But like, look at Rick's face. Right. Now he He's has a Woody. Know, right? <laughs> but I just remember we got we got back to the hotel and we sort of did this tally. Like, oh, each of us took 
what we wanted. Like, yeah, we each, that's what she said. It wasn't like a collective, hey guys, let's all let's take a case of beer and we'll share it. That we each took. So like <laughs> suddenly we've got, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars worth of alcohol. <laughs> it was alcohol. Hey, this is not the Did you the have that 15 world. passenger van? Right. Still? Yeah, no. No? Okay, so you couldn't fit that much in it, I guess. I think it, you know what I think it was? It was a communication error. You know, we just, we weren't coordinating with each other, so we each took too much. It sounds like a brilliant gig all around. It was a great gig all around. They loved us. And Fantastic. They loved, they loved it. All right, so what kind of machinations do we have to go through to get you to play us out of here? Machinations? None. Uh, I think we would just probably do that for you. Why don't we? Why don't you guys uh, get yourself yeah, sort of situated going, there? Right? Yeah. And uh, I'll talk to John for just a sec more, you know, okay. while we're getting doing this here. So how do you think this is going to work time-wise? You're, uh, we're in the beginning of 2018 mm-hmm. right now. Are you looking for summertime or are we not even close? What I'm do you think? I'm thinking summertime. That's the plan. Summertime. Uh, so I'm actually... I'm going to try to pitch this thing. The Players Ring in Portsmouth does all of their pitches for the year in February. Oh, I, I'm, I misunderstood. So you're not thinking about delivering this out as audio and then going, but you're actually going to go right at the thing. I love yeah. this idea. Yeah. And, and what they do is, uh, and Billy is Billy Butler is helping me with this because that's right. his world, and he's very good at it. Um, they they sort of set up their whole year all at once. Right. So you go in in February, you, you took, give me your idea. So you don't have to have it. It doesn't have to be done. It has to be. No, I understand. You know? But I think that's typical of most. Right. I, I don't know. What, do you want to call players ring like a black box or anyway, if you know what I'm talking about, it's all good. It's typical of that, that sort of uh, that type of theater yeah. is to set up that whole arc and then hit the mark by the time you need to, <laughs> to hit the mark. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by July you'll be done. Right. So yeah, that would be, I mean, if they, if they want to do it, that's cool. That would be, you know, a big motivation, but it's going to happen anyway. I mean, it's going to come out. I'm going to do it as an album anyway. It's just, if the show comes together, then maybe it'll, it'll be the soundtrack to the show, you know? Ah, oh, shit. That makes sense. Or in tandem with a, yeah, being I mean, its own thing. That sounds fantastic. So it's a little open-ended. I mean, I, I know kind of what I want to do with it, but I want to play out with it. I want to play out with these guys because it sounds really, and they're awesome. Yeah, that's totally. awesome, man. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any dates? We it's okay have, if you don't. I, I'm not pushing, but if you do have dates. Yeah, we have one in uh, March. I think March 31st. Yep. Right? Yep. Well, this, this will be out far before then, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I think May 12th, we're going to be at Furies in Dover. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you're going to need a sec to get your head together. And yeah. uh, so go ahead and do that. Uh, I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to say thank you to all you guys. This is amazing. It's always cool here in the barn when we have like a whole group of people yeah. that are playing. And, you know, it takes a little while to set it up and to get everything to work and stuff. And I know it's just a, you know, it's a trick for you guys, too. But this idea of just getting together people and playing live music there's no editing there's no and i'm not making this work for you guys what you guys uh out you know they're listening to are just musicians playing it's easy to take it for granted but i i think it's amazing and uh thank you all for you guys thank you very much for doing this it's thank fucking you, thank sweet you here yeah, all right so uh what is this called this tune is called gypsy teal uh this is gonna be a little bit of a behind the scenes chris are you singing right off the top on this one Okay, great. So I'm going to actually have you guys head up. I'm going to give Chris, I'm going to give you your mic back. And I'll set you back up there so you have nothing to worry about. Gypsy Teal. Is that a color off the... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, so this is a, a part of the paint box project. Of course. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. 
Gypsy is, Teal. Yeah, right on. All right, people. We're all set. Thank you very much, guys. Here you Thank go. You. Yeah. Pain box.
Yeah.